0: Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church?
1: Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty.
0: Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. Father Shane, it's good to see you.
1: Good to see you too. Happy uh, continuation of the Advent season. Yes, we are recording here, third week of Advent, Gaudete season, as we're rejoicing in the coming of the Savior, getting closer and closer to that celebration of Christmas. Did you get to wear a rose chasbowl today? I did. Congratulations. I did. Yeah, I don't often do that because not all of our parishes have that. Yeah. And some of them that we do have, you know, in various places in the diocese are. Well, some of them are less than beautiful. Let's just put it that Uh, way. Perhaps the color of peptobismal. some of them. (laughs) Um,
0: I was pleased that in Lamar's last two years, Father Isley had purchased rose chasbles for both of the churches in Lamar. So Hmm. I've had rose, and I have one myself that I found that I dug out of some cabinets. So this evening's Mass at Bradcliffe will also have a rose chasble, which is exciting. Good for you. Hey, nice job on uh, directing the Advent novena we kept talking about.
1: Yeah, thank you. That kind of came as a surprise um, for our listeners. You know, the uh, you all know that I'm on faculty at Kenrick Seminary here in St. Louis, Missouri. And last weekend, our music director tragically lost uh, a child very suddenly. Mm-hmm. And uh, as our music director, we were just less than twenty four hours away from starting the probably the biggest night, like musical experience of the seminary year, right. Um, he had worked very hard to prepare the choir for a nine-night novena in which it's kind of a lessons and carols ceremony with scripture readings and preaching and carols and canticles. Uh, and that runs nine nights here. We've we've just completed six nights. So I stepped in and quickly learned the music and conducted the choir for the past week. And our choral conductor is is slowly going to be reentering his duties, just, you know, given the trauma of what his family yeah. has been undertaking and, you know, this is just what we do in the Christian family. We, we step in and we support one another. Uh, the first night was a little hairy, you know, trying to figure out a liturgy that I had never experienced before, and I'm up <laughs> conducting it, and everyone in the choir knows the music much better and the experience much better than I do. But we've we've been managing. You and, kind of faked it till you made it, though.
0: You did a good job. Kind of, you know how to direct kind of a choir. kind of the enough. whole
1: semester has gone,
0: so... <laughs> well, congratulations. Yeah, I've been... Uh, Thank you. I've been following the live streams and watching the preaching, so... That was nice, too. It was a surprise to see you uh, directing the choir, but it was nice to hear some of those homilies. Um, Father Schumer's homily from the Advent Novena has stuck with me. It was so beautiful. Okay. Um, yeah, about asking, like, where do we need Jesus to save us? Like, where do we need a Savior? That's That's been really beautiful, tangible nice. this Advent season. Listen, Father Shane, nice. so I was doing a little traveling. Well, lots of traveling recently. But I've been uh-huh. thinking, you know always at least 24 hours before we're going to record i'm like oh maybe i should think about what we're going to talk about uh so you know that's been on my mind i had a lot of chance i drove to sioux falls with my family and thinking about okay outcast catholic topics what are the topics you know so i had a couple things in mind and this morning um i don't have mass until this evening at briar cliff so i had a little free time so i popped by the coffee shop this is a shout out they don't pay us but hardline if you're in the siouxland area go check out hardline uh downtown Sioux City. It's a good spot. Nisa does a nice job there roasting coffee. So I was there hanging out and a couple walks in and they were, Nisa and I had been chatting about Sioux Falls and about the traffic in Sioux Falls and all, uh, the lack of traffic in Sioux City and all of these things. So they started chatting and it turns out that he's a French Canadian from somewhere, uh, I think Quebec, and they live in Toronto, this couple. And as we started chatting, um, I didn't have a collar on, I have kind of a Cufflink shirt to put a cask on later. Incognito, so was incognito, incognito, a, a little bit, a little bit, a little incognito. We started chatting. Um, and it's very typical here in Sioux city. If I say that I work at a high school, if I say I work at healing, that's a little easier than just being like, I'm a, a vocation director. So yeah, I work up at the high school, just kind of playing it off. They said, what do you do there? Um, I'm the priest. I'm the chaplain. Oh, okay. And it was fascinating because immediately, you know, he kind of reveals, Oh, I'm a fallen way Catholic grew up in like, you know, a French Canadian Catholic community. Um, In fact, in the Roman Missal, okay, do you know that like when you flip to the Eucharistic prayer, there's the picture of that big, beautiful church? Oh, yes. Where is that at? Where is that basilica? I think that's in Montreal. It's in Montreal then? Okay, so he's from Montreal because he said he used to give tours of that church, in Mm -hmm. fact. So he's very familiar with like the Catholic world. So he was kind of sharing his own experience of being what our, our intended audience is in, in part with this podcast is those who feel kind of outcast or apart from the church. And so he, that's his experience. And in her experience, she said she grew up Anglican, but was also just kind of like a disaffiliated nun um, and, and was was free to share that, that they didn't have any religious... A
1: nun p- meaning n o n Yes, right? yes, 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 not a religious sister. Right, right. Um,
0: yeah, so it was interesting. They were very free to share their kind of disaffiliation with the faith, But we had an engaging conversation in the coffee shop on a Sunday morning. Um, So I I said, hey, I'm about to go record these podcasts, Um, Outcast Catholic. It was kind of a shameful plug. I said, hey, listen to our podcast. Um, But I said, you know, what are some reasons you feel outcast from the church? So I thought I could maybe just sort of propose those to you, Father Shane, and see if we could have a discussion over those. Um, The wonderful couple from Toronto perhaps might be listening to this podcast. episode. So welcome to the show. If you are, um, I didn't catch your names. So, uh, sadly, hopefully you, you can send us an email and we can, we can chat. Um, but so it was interesting. Yeah.
1: Let's, let's talk about it. I mean, you, you do a great job of always connecting with people. You're, you're always free and engaging conversations and that can draw people in. It's fascinating. And I'm going to let you explain the reasons why he left the church. It's, it's fascinating that he would describe himself as a fallen away Catholic Not many people actually use that term. They just kind of say, oh, yeah, I just kind of gave up. But then if he was an actual tour guide Mm -hmm. at this gorgeous shrine of Catholicism to actually know the history and the symbolic meanings of the architecture and the art within this consecrated temple of the Lord and then to still choose to fall away. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to hear you know, what his reasons are. What do you got? Well, and if he
0: I don't know if he specifically used the phrase fallen away Catholic, but it was like, I'm Catholic. Oh, but, well, I, I see. but I but okay. I don't, but I don't go. Like it was very it. clear. Like I don't like I'm Catholic. Yes. I grew up, I grew up Not Catholic. Practicing. Probably, probably that phrase is used so commonly, right? I grew up Catholic, you know? Uh-huh. So I asked kind of right away, I was like, Oh, interesting. And he kind of like listed off like the hot topics before I asked, like, what are the three kind of main reasons? I don't know if we actually got to three, but he mentioned briefly, like my favorite uncle is gay. Um, like that was an issue. Um, mm-hmm. he just kind of rattled off a few things like, abortion, married priesthood. Those were kind of the three big like hot topic issues, Mm -hmm. right. That Mm -hmm. kind of kept coming back up. But then as we kept talking and kept discussing, he, um, he really leaned into this sense of maybe a closed mindedness. So this is what his experience was, his story that he was kind of telling me. It's like, okay, grow up. And he grew up in a Catholic community. He was at this parish with predominantly, you know, white Catholics, um, French Canadian Catholics, he went to a private school run by, you know, presumably priests who were there, felt uh, kind of that strict um, experience of the church, probably 30 years, 40 years ago or so, felt that kind of strict experience of the church's teaching, feeling maybe that like they're stuck in the mud a little bit. And then he said, moving to Toronto, experiencing a vast kind of cultural shift, experiencing different religions, experiencing different cultural uh, kind of the melting pot of Toronto, New ethnicities York, and ethnicities, and ethnicities, yeah, and mm-hmm. feeling like, oh, my experience of growing up with all you know white people, all white Catholics, um, I didn't have that experience of perhaps, yeah, a, a multitude of uh, experiences and ethnicities and backgrounds. He kept coming back to backgrounds. Um, his presumably wife or partner, on the other hand, was highlighting her experience of growing up Anglican and saying that, you know, very different experiences of the church and I think presumably like a, a liberal experience of Anglicanism of, you know, perhaps having women's ordination or perhaps allowing gay marriage of clergy or, or parishioners or things like that. So there was, um, that was interesting. But back to this man's experience of the church, he said that I went from feeling like very close minded to having this open mind and seeing that, oh, there's so many different perspectives, and this uh, multitude of perspectives is obviously better than this kind of closed-mindedness. Transversely, at the same time, his wife was pointing out that they had just recently gone to a Christmas tree lighting ceremony uh, in New York City somewhere, mm-hmm. and how they don't go to church every Sunday, so they miss this kind of experience of community. And in the context of that Christmas lighting ceremony, there was a 1,000 people, it was run by some Christian church, it was kind of an, an open invitation. All are welcome to this experience. They lit the Christmas tree, sang Christmas carols. And she's, she was just pointing out that even in these huge cities like Toronto New York, where there should be all of this community, they don't experience that. And they experience mm-hmm. a disconnected um, way of living. And she even used the word a lack, which we've been talking about recently with Advent, right? She even said there's a lack of community. They were highlighting like a nice little coffee shop in Sioux City. They were highlighting the kind of little little delights of Omaha and Sioux Falls and Sioux City that they said, wow, these cities do actually have some culture. We didn't expect that they would because of these little, you know, kind of uh, small Midwest cities. But wow, they do have these these places of culture, of of music and of theater and of kind of craft food and coffee and drink. So it was interesting just to hear, we didn't really have the time or the space to kind of answer these questions. So I thought we could might maybe do that here. Um, I know I haven't really proposed a question yet, but what it really came down to was this idea that my experience was so close-minded. My experience now is so open-minded. Obviously, this open-minded experience is better, having all of these different perspectives, all of these different religions. And I've heard this a lot from different people who are agnostic or atheist or fallen away. They'll often say, "Well, once I was exposed to more than what I grew up with. So once I was exposed to more than just Catholic Christianity, I realized, oh, clearly." Catholic Christianity can't be all that there is. And because there's so many different options, this can't be the only one that's true. And I see the goodness, and they were, they were referencing, they have Indians who work for them, and so they've been able to celebrate different Hindu holidays with this, with this Indian community. And they said, if it's good for them, we'd love to celebrate that. And there's good things for all these different people. So kind of a tolerance that was there for these different cultures, but in the midst of that tolerance to say, actually, something's wrong with our experience of what we grew up with because it was so close-minded
1: thank you I have a few thoughts um, please imagine that I have a few thoughts um, this is a, a an experience that I think so many Midwesterners have you know we're a Midwest based show so many of our listeners come from a predominantly Anglo background a predominantly Caucasian background with European settlers that's not entirely true uh, you know a very large percentage of our diocese has a, a rich Cultural expression of of um, Hispanic faith and Hispanic cultures here, mm-hmm. and that's true in many parts of the Midwest. Whether that's Asian or African, uh, a real world mix that's growing more and more steadily throughout the Midwest. You obviously see that in larger metropolitan areas, but so many of our listeners come from more rural communities here in the Midwest, and they experience Catholicism, they experience Christianity through the lens of of Anglo uh, communities. And what I find so interesting about that is that when you leave kind of your small town in the Midwest and you broaden your, your horizons, maybe you might travel around the world and visit other cultures. You might move to a larger city as this gentleman did. What, what I, I just, I've never been able to follow the argument that said, I was raised in a Catholic Anglo family, a Catholic Anglo community. And when I have experienced a bigger part of the world, I experienced a broader sense of truth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's there's a respect that should come to different uh, perspectives. There should be a reverence to uh, experiencing people and what their thought process is, what their cultural backgrounds are, maybe what their religious beliefs are, to hold that in respect and to want to uh, to engage that plurality. But I've never been able to follow the argument that says, I should inherently throw out everything that I believe, and kind of start to rebuild my entire truth, truth structure mentally, because because I'm I'm meeting a different perspective. Therefore, everything I have uh, that it grounds my identity or my supernatural beliefs is inherently wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the encounter of, of 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 pluralism, the encounter of different religious beliefs, need not debilitate us so much that we just suddenly want to throw out the baby with the bathwater and yeah. say, Oh, I'm experiencing new cultures. I'll just get rid of mine. Mm-hmm. Why, why does that, that cultural engagement have to be so self-sacrificing of everything that we know and have been raised in is the, the light of truth, the light of the gospel that's been passed down to us. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. And I think to put my finger on it a little bit, um, what
0: I have felt for my own um, family, my own friends from a really small little town in rural Iowa the people who experience a broader perspective, uh, a broader scope of humanity, and with that comes different ethnicities, different religions, different kind of cultural practices, so often people don't actually experience the universality of the church, right? And that's what kind of shocks me, because I know you and I both have, um, in different capacities and different ways. Um, I was teaching sophomores recently uh, on uh, holy orders, and I, I kind of in the midst of teaching, I said... Guys, what do you think about the priesthood? This one kid sophomore. He's just like, well, sounds kind of boring. And I, I said, Yeah, okay. I said, I guarantee I have more fun than you do, random sophomore boy. Like, but I think the perspective is that it's a kind of this closed minded provincialism that's just rooted in for this man it was kind of French Canada. And for me, it would be like Pocahontas County, Iowa. You know, for you it would have been in Sioux City. But when we, because of um, university studies because of seminary, we have this broader scope of the world and the church, right? So it's like, okay, I've studied Spanish in Guatemala. So I get to experience like, and you know, mission trip in uh, Honduras where I could speak the language with the people. So I actually got to encounter the church in a very different experience, very different light. You know, going on a Eucharistic procession in Guatemala around Corpus Christi, very different exposure to the universal Catholic faith, right? Um, meeting different, especially even in Sioux City, right? Meeting different, like an Ethiopian Orthodox or 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 different people, it broadens the perspective. I see a lot of people who leave their parish, they leave the church universal because they basically equate Catholicism with this little church, right? right. So leaving Catholicism equals leaving St. Column Kills in Verina, Iowa, which it's like, yeah, when there's like 40 people, you you're pointing at this particular person who's been rude or unwelcoming or whatever, yeah, it's easy to leave that person. But when you don't have the perspective of the universal church, um, so then what happens is that people have a perspective of the universal kind of global community, but then they don't actually experience the church. You know, if you, maybe last summer, we talked about going, on mass, going to mass while you're on vacation and the benefits of that, being able to experience different communities, perhaps ethnic communities or liturgical experiences like you pointed out. You know, why isn't there this, this move to say, okay, I was raised with this experience of Catholicism. Why wouldn't I seek out Catholicism then in this different experience when I moved to this city, right? Because I'm sure it, it has a perhaps even more like robust um, proposal of the, of, the, of the church and its liturgy and its, go- you know, its proclamation of the gospel and its preaching.
1: Yeah, and no, no disrespect to this Canadian gentleman that you were speaking to, there must have been something that wasn't deeply rooted within his own faith life you know, it was so easy to step away from that when he moved to a larger urban area. And I'd
0: offer this little caveat. It's it's always interesting when you when you talk to somebody and learn their story. And it was so great when we had Katie on because we actually got to hear her story behind it. It wasn't just the this is my this is my kind of stance. Mm-hmm. And he was able to say, My best, you know, my favorite uncle was had same sex traction, felt outcast from the church. He had another uncle who was a priest who left the priesthood and got married. So it's mm-hmm. like his these big issues of married priesthood and um, LGBTQ+, like kind of rights and identity within the church. It's like, okay, yeah, his story is kind of starts to fill up a little bit more. But sure. I don't think he had the experience of, okay, here's this universal experience of the globalism of the world, but then I didn't experience that with the church or kind of break into that.
1: Well, I would say two things. Um, yeah, if he has some legitimate issues with doctrine or, or practices within the church, okay, fine, You know, we can have debates about that, we can have discussions about that to see how does his family experience with his uncles really relate to the truth of Catholicism? And does he actually understand what the church teaches and what the church still can offer his uncles? Um, so that's kind of one issue. But the other issue, when you talk about kind of the universality of um, experiencing the broader church, th- that is a that is a challenge to us here in the Midwest, and it's a challenge that we should take up and live robustly, To say, how do we, if you're living in a kind of a homogenous culture, uh, ethnically, how do we actually instruct our people in the broad universality of Catholicism? I mean, the word Catholicism implies a universality of all truth, cultures, uh, and expressions that lead us towards God, right? Um, do Do we expose our communities towards the missionary efforts of the church? Do we expose our communities to the different ethnicities that might be in our midst, even very small, maybe just one or two families that might be a real minority in our in our local community? Do we incorporate, you know, different forms of liturgical music, different forms of of religious you know processions, um, different devotions that come from different parts of the world? Do we understand the different rites of the church, whether that be the Maronite rite, the Ruthenian rite, the Mozarabic rite? You know, there's there's a rich tradition within 2000 years that we don't always experience uh, within our local community, but understanding some of the saints and their writings from around the world, incorporating different forms of liturgical music, devotions, um, or just understanding kind of the, the basic expression of Catholicism and the local um, traditions that can arise around the world, but also some of the heartaches and the struggles that people experience, especially if they're you know persecuted for their faith in other parts of the world. I think that is a challenge to all of us in the Midwest to make sure that, uh, the faith never gets reduced to our just simple local uh, culture. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I would say, you know, we keep talking about, well, I just grew up in this homogenous culture. Everyone kind of thought the same. So therefore it's all closed minded and it's not capable of receiving a broader expression of truth. That's certainly not part of our faith. That might be part of the faith of maybe bigoted or, or small minded people in your local community. But that that isn't actually a statement of the truth of Catholicism. And and it reminds me of something that Chesterton used to say there is this there's this modern respect towards being broad minded and open minded and receiving everybody and, you know, being open to various expressions of truth. Well, Chesterton used, Chesterton used to point out that the mind isn't designed to just keep its mouth open all day. <laughs> it needs to bite down on something. Ah. That's true. Mm-hmm. The mind is hungry for truth. You have to feed the mind. You got to bite down on something. You got to hold on to it and nourish the mind. Uh, you don't just walk around life aimlessly wanting to absorb everything with a, uh, with a mouth wide open. Yes. You know, as if you're some whale that's, you know, sifting plankton out of the ocean. You, mm-hmm. <laughs> the mind is ordered towards to bite down on truth And to build an intellectual platform by which you understand yourself, the world around you, and the identity and existence of God. So this broad mindedness is not ordered towards um, an empty openness that never actually gets to you know get to the ground nuts and bolts of real truth. Yes, and I
0: think, and just to wrap it up with this, I think the uh, female interlocutor—I don't know if they were married or not—but you know, she made an interesting comment. It was like, she was almost leaning into this fact that we need to bite down on something because he kind of had this perspective of like, let's, we just got to keep it wide open. And the more wide open it is, the better it is because we have all these experiences. And if it's good for you, it's good for me. And like, we'll just stay wide open. And it's nice talking to this priest at the coffee shop, but Hey, like, you know, there's not not that kind of need for commitment. But as what she kept coming back to is like, the lack of community that's present in my life. And she even said like, well, you're doing a good job. She said, and it's hopeful to see you doing this because there's such a dark experience of culture right now. It's like fascinating that experience of just wide open kind of broad, huge city experience of life. Ooh, that's not satisfying. And she was actually pointing out the lack that's present there that, hey, we actually experienced something that was different And that was something lacking in our life when we experienced this community surrounding the lighting of this Christmas tree, which is a, I mean, it's funny. We can like, you can try to extract as we do in the Christmas season, these, um, these like clearly like, you know, pagan traditions that were baptized, but that come out of Western kind of Christian society. We want to try to like extract those parts that don't involve the gospel, like a Christmas lighting ceremony and then singing Christmas carols. It's like, christ 's mass right keeping Christ in Christmas is all the bumper stickers say, um, but yeah, just to point out that like that question is is on the hearts of people when we actually think about it or encounter that like wait, this kind of aimless openness doesn 't satisfy a deeper desire that 's on our heart for community, right And that's where the church can propose in her universality but her also her provincial experience that we talked about early on in the podcast, right that that community that's universal, that becomes particularized in in parish communities as the body of Christ is actually like lived and experienced with other people. Um, so while we might feel outcast from this experience of our local community, perhaps it it just requires a broader perspective of yes, the global community but also the universal Christian and Catholic community. To understand how that can then influence and kind of educate us to understand how we can encounter our, you know, particular community better and to encourage real growth and mm-hmm. to break away from kind of these, um, you know, stick in the mud stereotypes or bigotedness, as you talked
1: about. Good thoughts. Wonderful. Well, to, if our uh, if the Canadian couple that you spoke to is actually listening, uh, you know, thanks for tuning in to them. Uh, we will assure them of our prayers and let's keep them in our, in our hearts and to all people who might be falling away from the church and so that we can eagerly, eagerly welcome them back. Father Amen. Travis, good to
0: be with you. Thanks, Father Shane. See you soon.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.